Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, ESPN LA. It is Thursday. The 17th of May. The time is flying, Andy. You and I realized, too, and this is way, 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 way too late after the fact, but you know how people, uh, they number their podcasts. Like, they let you know, like, you know, this oh, is, right. this is this podcast, podcast number, number seven, 70, right. you know, 70, 78, whatever. We started doing this, you know, going back to when we were blogging for the LA Times, and then we started doing a podcast through ESPN. But, I mean, you know, this goes back, like, probably 2009, you know, to something like that. You know, like a lot of people, we were among the first to do this, and then we got totally forgotten. Right. Um, but we are way... We actually invented podcasts. We did. Uh, they were called Kamenetsky's originally. Mm-hmm. But we are way, it just dawned on me, we're way too late to start numbering these things. Yeah. Unless we just wanted to arbitrarily is, declare but, it. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I don't know what to think about that. Cause when you kind of think about it that way, you're right. We've been at this for a long time and yet nobody cares. <laughs> I wouldn't say <laughs> I mean, some people, some people care. That's, that's not true. Yeah. But you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, like we're not nobody cares radio if, lab. Right. Exactly. Why aren't we radio lab? <laughs> Cause we didn't number the podcast. <laughs> if, if we had only numbered, yes. we could be serial. We <laughs> could have been radio lab or, you know, this American life. Mark Marin, you know, yes, if, yes, if only, we would have been Marin. Yes, if only we had numbered the podcasts. Part one, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing gets your basketball podcast uh, audience excited like Ira Glass reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so a fair amount to cover this uh, today. We'll stick with the playoffs. I, I would like to note that the draft lottery. Kind of for me, basically came and went. I completely forgot that it was happening until um, it happened to be kind of going on. Like uh, I think I actually weren't you on the air that yes, day? yes, I was. With, and uh, all Travis of a sudden, Rogers. all of a sudden, people were talking about the draft lottery, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's today!" It was so nice not to have to worry about that, yeah. except for last year there was a party and there was free food. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, the league has decided that after four years, they've done enough fixing of the lottery to help out the Lakers to make up for the miscarriage of justice that was basketball reasons. Exactly. Hashtag never forget. Um, and we can the Lakers and the league can go their separate ways now. It's still very early in the hole who's going where. And the, the Lakers are welcoming draft prospects into El Segundo, and they're working people out. And I can safely say I... I I don't know which one, which of those people are real people and which are the fake names they're throwing out to, you know, to, to, to keep us confused. I don't know any of that. We'll catch up at some point. Um, there is early lottery news. Luka Doncic, the, 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 is he Serbian or Slovenian? Not sure. He's one of those. Um, we think he's European. <laughs> he's European. Not 100% he's from sure. out, he is, as I like to say, from out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Slovenian. Uh, reports are today that he might not actually come over um, from Real Madrid where he's been playing, uh, which loosely translated means I don't want to play for the Sacramento Kings because uh, DeAndre Ayton appears to be the number one pick going to Phoenix. Sacramento as the number two. They would take take Doncic uh, if he comes, and he might not because of that. Yeah. That yeah. is bad. Got to play your leverage where you can get it. So uh, that's your lottery update, sponsored by no one. Uh, let's look at the playoffs, though. Last night, Wednesday night, Golden State, Houston, that series, after the Rockets were beaten up in Game 1 and everyone declared that it was over, uh, the Rockets won big on Wednesday and everything looked completely different. So that series is now 1-1. Um, nobody asked me before. I had this. Uh, I had Golden State in six. That was my prediction for this one. Uh, what, what was yours? Well, if you go back to our original Bold Predictions right. podcast. Right. You had the Pelicans. Well, I had the Pelicans, Pelicans taking out the Warriors. Right. So you have but, Pelicans in six in but, this series. Well, my larger point was that the Warriors were not going to come out of the West, just like I said the Cavaliers were not going to come out of the East. I am going to continue to die on that hill. The, the Warriors so will to, not advance. Yeah, right, so I'm okay. going to say Rockets in seven. Right. Because you never said... The Pelicans would be in no, the No, actually, finals. I said the Rockets would take you out the Pelicans. You said the right. I the did Rockets actually would say be that. the Pelicans. So this really is – Yeah. You you have not yet been proven wrong. No, no. In a lot of ways, <laughs> I'd say I'm going chalk. No, this is right along yes. what you said would happen in the sense that the Rockets would win this series against 
the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. And they're they're basically playing the Pelicans. Exactly. So good, exactly. For, you, good for you for being right. so bold. My, my ultimate, that turned out to be wrong. My ultimate prediction was uh, Rockets-Sixers, I believe, in the finals. And I am potentially going to be half right. Right. Our uh, our siren isn't working today. Mm-hmm. We, we, we replace that with a slightly uh, softer version of the siren. But in, in any event, but, though, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on my path and say Rockets and seven. Yeah, so I had the Rockets and – I had Golden State and six in this one. Um, and what's fascinating to me about this is is the numbers off of game two. And I'll read you a few. This is all like the second spectrum stuff mm-hmm. uh, that comes through. People spent – the after game one, oh my god they were too iso heavy and it was too much of this and they they didn't pass enough and it was too much harden and this and that and mike d'antoni got it you know in a little bit of hot water i should say from uh, from saying afterwards look we're going to keep doing what we do this is how we operate we have the best two of the best iso players in the league in chris paul and james harden we're going to do what we do we're just going to try to do it better well it's, i mean said, it's look you and you and i covered d'antoni it's the classic Mike D'Antoni response, which is a combination of incredulousness and defensiveness, right. <laughs> masked as him trying to make a joke. Right. I mean, it's what he, I, I, I remember this is my favorite interaction with Mike D'Antoni really quick was when the Lakers yeah, traded for, time. the Lakers traded for Kendall Marshall. And at that point, it's because other than I think Jordan Farmar, every single point guard on the roster was injured. So they brought in Kendall Marshall, who was an actual point guard. Like at that point, they'd been playing like Xavier Henry as this quasi point guard, and God bless the kid, but he couldn't do it. So like three or four games pass, and Kendall Marshall has yet to step on the court. So I asked D'Antoni pregame, you know, what I thought was a pretty logical question, which was just, what are you not seeing from Kendall Marshall to not just put him on the court at a position that you were at dire need? And he took it like I was looking to have him bury Kendall Marshall. He started just getting really defensive about this, like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put him out there and just, you know, yeah, have him get killed and what. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just asking, like, what is preventing you from not, from you know, from not playing stopping the right. playing play the Xavier Henry? Like, it's a logical question. You brought him in there because you need a point guard, and eventually in this game, either Farmer or Henry got hurt. And D'Antoni had no choice but to play Kendall Marshall, who got like 15 assists in the game. And D'Antoni, to his credit, a saw me in the in the hallway afterwards and actually apologized. Uh-huh. Like he realized he kind of jumped on me for no reason. But B started his post game uh, presser by saying, "How about that, Kendall Marshall?" <laughs> like looking right at me. But it, it, but just you saw this too. Yeah, like D'Antoni just, would get defensive at times for very odd reasons. Yeah, I mean, my favorite D'Antoni moment was the time I asked him how Kobe's off ball defense was, <laughs> and he said. Yes. And because you know it, because the answer was at the time non-existent. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't even bad. It's a lot of to be bad. Kobe's off-ball defense at that point would have had to have been a thing. We're really at it at that point. It was mostly just him pointing. Yeah, that was the Kobe pointing era. I um, mean, but. You know, as I'm the coach, I'm not running over that guy. You go get you that go guy. get that. Guy. You know, as the coach, <laughs> if you say it. something negative about Kobe in any context, the headlines aren't you know. Yes, and, but you know, in his head, he wants to say what off ball defense? <laughs> Hell, for that matter, what on ball defense? I mean, Kobe legacy. Yeah, guy, I mean, though. also he's coming off an Achilles right. tear, and, he's, he and he was 93 <laughs> years old. I mean, nobody. I'm not being critical here. I'm super, he shouldn't have even been in the league. That he was still there was amazing. And so I asked him, you know, and he goes, ah, yeah, yeah, and like, and you could see the 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 cost benefit math going on in his head, and he just says. Ah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Like, we're going to go with it's good. And then we moved on. Um, but anyway, so D'Antoni says, you know, we're not going to, we're, we're, this is what we are. We're going to keep doing what we do. We're just going to try to do it better. And what's funny about it is, is in a lot of ways, he was right. Assist opportunities, game one, 35, game two, 35. Isolations, game one, 45, game two, 46. Passes, 231 in game one, 233 in game six. Or game six, game two. The, what was different though was distribution. Like they, they did the same thing a little bit differently. Eric Gordon, instead of all the, uh, the ISOs going to basically Harden and Paul in game one, uh, 36 of 45, Eric Gordon had nine on his own. But the biggest difference is Trevor Reza and, and PJ Tucker didn't miss. Right. And so, 
And, and Trevor Ariza wasn't in foul trouble. Right. Part, which That which, game fell apart. Game one fell apart when yep. he got his fifth foul. Yeah, I mean, he, and beyond what you don't get from Trevor in the, uh, in the stat line, you also, he is a solid defender. And not having him out there on the floor to, at the very least, make Durant work as hard as possible before he inevitably scores because he's Kevin Durant, you're just allowing Durant to get into that much more of a flow. Right. Like, you just want to make him work. That's the best you can do. And meanwhile, you know, uh, on Golden State side, KD was awesome, and everybody else kind of sucked. I mean, Clay wasn't very good, Steph had another down game, and Draymond was all over the place. Yeah. Um, so this gets to, to me, this is what gets to what's fascinating about playoff basketball. We use the word adjustments, players, adjustments. Everyone talks about adjustments. What are you going to do this? The line between legitimately changing something, like we need to change our coverages. We need to play this guy instead of that guy. We're going to put Tristan Thompson back in the lineup. Cleveland. That's an adjustment. Yeah, and D'Antoni adjusted his rotation a bit. Well, I mean, right. they, they, he shortened it. We played yes. seven guys. Which is for D'Antoni <laughs> just it's like two more than he prefers yeah. to play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I this line of what is an adjustment and what isn't, and the the choices that coaches make between I'm going to change this. We're gonna attack KD differently and all these other things, and you know what? We're gonna keep doing what we do. Guys just do it better because not changing something is an active choice. We talk about it as if only strategy changes are are the things that are active. Not changing, choosing to stay with something is also an active strategy choice. This to me is what's fascinating about the playoffs. When when you cross that line. Yeah, I mean, I, I to your point, and I think this is what you're getting at, um, the biggest thing I noticed from Game 1 to Game 2 in terms of things that felt tangibly bad in Game 1, do what you do but do it better in Game 2, is they played quicker. Like they didn't play faster, but they it's played It's not fast quick. break. It's right, a, not fast right. break, but they played quicker. Like, you know, they they would move the ball more, you know, to set up different ISO opportunities. Like there's still a lot of yes. ISO at the end, but you move the ball to set up a dis- different ISO opportunity as opposed to just James Harden pounding the ball until he eventually drives, or Chris Paul pounding the ball until he eventually drives and maybe does a kick out. You would just move the ball more to eventually get back to playing iso play, but also they would just play faster. In game one, the Rockets played exceptionally slow. There were so many right, even times, slow for them when they're in middle of the pack right, pace but, team. But there were so many times where they were just standing and doing nothing or walking the ball up the court. To eventually stand to do that. It reminded me of, because this was something that used to drive both of us insane when we covered the Kobe Powell Lakers. They would at times move so damn slow just getting up the court. Remember we used to joke. As if there was a rule against starting your offense before there were 16 seconds yeah, left. Yeah, I mean, the shot you, clock. you and I used to joke that, that no team in the league risked eight second violations on a regular basis. It's like they'd stand there and wait and then jump over right. the I mean, there, there were a lot of times where it's like, look, this is not Kobe's fault that he has to take this awful shot with two seconds left in the clock. You guys pissed away 17 <laughs> seconds doing Fish nothing. actually stopped to order a pizza. <laughs> I mean, just like, it just, it, you it would be infuriating. Right. And the Rockets were doing a lot of that in game one. Right. And some of that, I think, is because you, you know, I, I think to some degree, it, it does make some sense. You want to take a little bit of the air out of the ball against a team like Golden State that counters so quickly. You have to be careful with your shot selection, all these other things. You don't, you don't want to get into a track meet with of those guys because you will lose. Of course not. But, but some, but that, but then you, if you do it too slowly, then you get out of your own. Stagnation is very easy to defend. Is playing with a little more zip, getting, doing what you do faster. Is that an adjustment? I, I don't think so. It's a tweak. I mean, it's it's really just do do, it. That comes to me, that comes under do it better. Right. Just do, play like yourself. Like they, the Rockets, maybe they move the ball more than they typically might or, you know, to the eyeball test. But to me, watching them in Game 2, they just look more like the Rockets. Yeah. Game 1, to me, they didn't look like the Rockets. Here's something else, too. The 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 guys who weren't Harden and CP shot 60% from the field. Another thing I'm getting from stats and info here. I didn't sit and do the math. When the, when, when the Rockets get that kind of performance from the non-stars, they're going to win every game they play. 
They're never going to lose when the rest of the team shoots 60%. And that includes, again, what Ariza and, and, uh, PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker did from three. I mean, PJ Tucker had 22 points. Yeah. So, I mean, the, and then you start getting to the psychology of this stuff. They're too slow. They look sluggish. They're down. They're, they're disorganized. They're a step slow. All these other things. When you don't hit shots, we're seeing with the Dodgers now, they can't get a hit. When you can't get a hit, when you don't hit shots, when you don't – all these things that I know you're supposed to be able to play through because it's the playoffs and, and it matters so much. It only takes something that saps 2 or 3% of your energy, or of your confidence or whatever it might be, for the whole thing to look terrible. And to some degree, I think in game one, that's a lot of what was going on. Like they, they, they could not buy a bucket from anyone. All these guys who were great in game two couldn't hit a shot in game one. And you look terrible when that happens. We, you know, the Lakers during the season have nights where people say, Oh, they're not trying. Well, yeah, they're trying. They're just not very good. Yeah. And, you know, the, the for, for Houston in game one, I'm not saying, you know, there weren't strategic things to go around, but I, that I don't, I don't claim to be able to break down pick-and-roll coverages with that kind of exactitude. Sometimes just when you're not doing it well, you don't look good doing it. And, like, all the effort is – I mean, they're trying. It's the Western Conference Finals. They're trying. It just doesn't look good. So what this means going forward for Game 3, Game 4, I'm not sure it's anything's going to be significantly different with either one of these teams – I mean, if you're Steve Kerr, do you look at it and say, we got to try a bunch of different stuff? Or do you just look at Steph and say, be Steph? Yeah. Clay, make more shots. Right. We right. expect so, you to make more shots. Draymond, make more shots. Um, and this is, I, mean, I, I had this conversation once with, or not conversation, I think is a, a little excessive, but I, I asked Pop this question once during the playoffs. And it was, you know, he was honest about it. It's like, you know, at this point, Everyone knows what everyone's doing. You can adjust on the margins, but ultimately a series like this is going to come down to do the guys on Houston shoot 60% who aren't Harden and CP. If they do, Houston's got a real chance. I mean, or something like that. Houston's got a chance to advance. Yeah, most, if, most radical adjustments deep in the playoffs come because you are literally forced to do. Like in, in 2015, when Cleveland had to reinvent themselves as a muck-it-up defense first team in the finals, it's because, having already lost Kevin Love, they then lost they no Kyrie choice. Irving. They had no choice. Like, there was no other way to stay in a game right. unless they became that. That wasn't their first choice. It was their only choice. Generally speaking, it wasn't I an think, adjustment. Trying, right, trying to do something that really is a strategy change, like a legitimate... It's rare. It's rare and usually and because stupid. you have no other choice. Or because you're overthinking it. Yeah. Like to go back to, to the oh, Mavs a- when they Matt lost... Avery Johnson. Right, Avery Johnson in, in, you know, lost to a, an eight seed. It's, it was the, the Warriors, wasn't well, it? Well, that, you, well, twice, I guess, with Avery Johnson. It was 2006 in the finals when he overthought Shaq's presence. No, but I'm just like, talking, I'm, this is the first round thing. Oh, the first round thing against, uh, no. against the Warriors, yes. Yeah, and then, but you're also right, the Shaq thing, too. It's like... Two years in a row with Avery Johnson. Just, where he, you're just he overthought the adjustments. Right. So I, I I think I hope this series can go a little while. I hope because, so too because it could just could be fun. Yeah, it's a fun series um, with a lot of really good. Like James Harden is absurd. Kevin Durant is like think how good James Harden is, and he might be. He's probably the second best offensive player in that series. That's amazing. Yes, it is. But you could even argue he's the third, depending on what you think about Steph. Like, I mean, there, there's so much talent on display here. I just, I would love for it to go, um, long. I would love for it to be, because I don't think the other series will. And we can talk about that in a second. And I don't think the finals will, regardless of the combination. I think, you know, Boston, who I think will get there, is a better shot against Houston than maybe Golden State, because I think Golden State's better. But I don't think either one of those series is particularly long. Um, well, you never know. I mean, Boston keeps getting underestimated at every single that's round. That's true. So you and never let's, know. Let's talk about that series because I, again, nobody asked me. I had uh, Boston in seven. That was my pick for this one. I don't know what you. After asked. two straight rounds of saying Boston was going to go down, and your original prediction, you had Cleveland coming out of the East. So you technically, you I think are my a, original prediction was that it wouldn't be no, 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 Warriors. No, no technically, Cavs, your prediction was guess, Houston, Cleveland. 
I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I don't remember that. But unlike unlike me, who stays on my original predictions right. you, in the face you of have, in the you face have of a team Evan. that is no longer playing yes. in the playoffs, yes. advancing <laughs> through this yes. round. You're that right. is how dedicated you are to your prediction. You You're actually adjusting a little bit depending on what you actually see. No, I, I, I am absolutely 100% guilty, like everybody else, of underestimating how good and this is not the wizardry of of Brad Stevens, who is obviously an excellent coach. He is not a warlock of some sort. Um, their players that are left playing are just better than we gave them credit yeah. for. Yep. I mean, Stevens has a lot to do with it. Don't get me wrong. Jalen Brown, as it turns out, is just really good already. Jason Tatum is really good already to the point that I wonder if this goes on next year, if we're going to get a few more of these Maybe Lakers should have taken him instead of Lonzo things. Because, like, we didn't get a ton of that this year. People make fun of the Sixers and Markel Fultz because they literally made a trade for that to happen. But the Lakers could have had Tatum, too. Yeah, they Lonzo's shooting, like, 27% in November. Somebody is going to point that out. Yep. It Probably might be us. Be us. <laughs> it might be us. Very well, might be us. But it's going to become something Early in the people season are paying a content. lot more attention. Um, so... You know, Tatum's and Al Horford is just really good. Yeah. And Terry Rozier, who never got a chance to really play that much, is also apparently really good. And Marcus Smart, like, you know, he's a very incomplete player, but what he is great for is the playoffs if you have a good team. Like, if you are, if you're part of a good team, a guy like Marcus Smart, what he does really well matters more than what he doesn't do as well. Yeah, it's funny. I saw somebody, I forget whose tweet it was, but they said like, like if, N- if, if NBA 2K was like super realistic, they would have like a team hot streak thing where once it got to a hundred, the next shot, the next three that Marcus Smart takes would have a 100% chance of going in. Like that's the kind of, like he's a terrible shooter, except for these super random times when one shot will blow up the arena. And he always makes well, I mean, it. You know what? I mean, he's become a much more reliable three-point shooter now. But when Trevor Ariza was the starting three for that team that ended up uh, winning it all, he was not a really great three-point shooter. But against Orlando, he had a knack. Against Orlando, yeah. you know, they kept daring him to take those shots, and he kept taking them. And he kept married. like Shannon Brown got left open a lot, took those shots, made them. Sometimes guys just are either they're. They're, for lack of a better way of putting it, built for the playoffs, or they're just in the right well, place. Well, you at the know, right time. we've had this discussion before, but I, you, my, my belief about clutch. Robert Ory was built for the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, certain guys, certain guys, genuinely not a fan have, of the regular season, no, but he was built for willing the playoffs. to coast, willing to coast. Um, certain guys legitimately elevate. Yeah, but for most people. What really I think in a lot of ways counts as clutch is just not shrinking, like not being not not shortening your your stroke when you're shooting, not being of not being afraid of being the guy who goes to the free throw line or whatever it might be. And Marcus Smart at worst is clearly one of those dudes. Yeah. And he just might be in that percentage of guys who, for whatever reason, the the focus, the attention, whatever it is, just makes them five percent better in the playoffs while everyone else tends to backtrack. And then in the meantime, you your original prediction was Celtics and seven with the series going back now to Cleveland. I don't down think it gets that far. I'd be stunned if it went past five. Five. I think it's a five game series. I mean, it, Travis and I. LeBron a couple, wins him a game. Yeah, Travis and I a couple days ago we were we were doing the afternoon show. It was right before game two started, and the Cavs are down 0-1. And Travis asked me if I thought it was. A must-win game for Cleveland, which is really to say a must-win game for LeBron. LeBron. Even though, you know, LeBron's been... What's your favorite team? LeBron. Yeah, LeBron's <laughs> been through every single experience possible. You know, like some would say in theory, even if you go down 0-2, all you have to do is just protect your home court. The series hasn't series. started yet. Right, exactly. My response was, they're all must-win Right, because they're, they're not as good. Exactly. They're, 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 they're not close They're not the better team. I mean, like... Stop. They're and, not the better team. And we saw this in Game 2 because LeBron put up 42, 10, and 12, and his team lost by 13. Right. I, I like, If you were drafting... The that, forget the idea that there's no margin for error for LeBron. There's no margin for success. Right. If you were... if you, It's <laughs> a good way of putting it. If you were drafting players in this team, obviously LeBron is drafted first. There's no question. Second... Probably Horford or Tatum or Jalen Brown. 
Third is whoever you haven't taken from that group. Fourth is probably whoever you haven't taken from that group. Then you get to maybe Kevin Love. Kevin Love, probably. Maybe. I mean, probably. I, I would don't know. say, I think, I think Kevin Love is still know. pretty good. But right now in this series, he's he, not very good in this. He's not useful. He's not, well, a, it's not a good matchup. If you have for to him. choose right now in this series, because this is a series you have to win. Right. Would you rather have Terry Rozier or Kevin Love? But let's just, you know what? Let's just pretend for a second you would take Kevin Love. Love. After those three, from guys. there it's Rozier, and then it's Smart. Rozier, and then you're probably taking Smart. There, I I don't want you're taking Marcus Morris. Ahead I of don't any, anybody want another Cavalier. No, there's nobody. I look at that roster and go, I want that guy. There are certain guys, eh, Tristan Thompson. He's useful for this. I mean, thing. Look, once but you, I don't want once him. you filled out your roster with all those different Celtics, you might take Corver just to get a little extra shooting, right? But, yeah, but that's only because the team's ready, right? You're good. There's nobody on that team that I want. They're garbage. You yeah. know, Rodney Hood sucks. I mean, he's been very disappointing. I, I, Clarkson is Jor- Jordan Clarkson is Jordan Clarkson. He's going to do Jordan man, Clarkson stuff. Ty Lue Ty clearly never told Clarkson, look, the better you play on this stage with more people watching, the more DMs you're going to end up getting. Uh, and that's just bad true. coaching. Right. You got to figure that out. You got to know your guys. You got to know your guys. Larry Nance Jr. has been, been in and out of the really rotation. disappointing. It was really disappointing. I mean, he's getting DMP CDs in a lot of yeah, these games. Yeah. And he played, played in game two and he's just so, he, he's so tentative. Like some of these games. He's, he started out okay. Never saw that with the Lakers. No. I mean, he's, he's kind of devolved back into. Yeah. Scary and we Larry. both love Larry, and I mean it's 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 awful to watch see because I think he was the guy of all the people that came over in that deal. I think the Cavs internally, from a lot of what I read or heard, that's they who were they wanted. Ex- no, they were most excited. They by took Nance. Clarkson. And by the way, this if all of those things are true, like they took Clarkson because they really wanted Nance, but they also still were willing to give up the pick. What a sleeping st- amazing trade this is! I'm still. Convinced that's a typo. <laughs> like, I remember when I saw that trade, when I saw that trade announcement, I was and like, it's just like they did, Cleveland was just like they never corrected it. It's like when, uh, like when, when, uh, Cincinnati screwed up the AJ McCarron deal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they just, and no, it's like this is like, oh, well, crap. We put in, or we put in a first round pick <laughs> or my long standing, oh uh, man, the paperwork's been or my long standing theory that, uh, uh, Mozgov was the 1201 right. uh, call because Mitch accidentally butt dialed him. Right. <laughs> just it just like, seemed rude. Uh, it seemed rude uh, to hang uh, up. Okay, how about... Oh, okay, fine, four years. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I remember when I saw that, I was like, wait, there's no way the Lakers are getting a pick. Like, they're, yeah. they're giving so, one, right? Because, I mean, Clarkson, I, Clarkson played well this year for Clarkson, but he's, he's Clarkson. You know yes. exactly what this is. And I like Larry Nance, but, you know, you can't keep everybody. And if, you know, you get the pick and the cap space and whatever, it's like, goodbye, Larry. Um... I hope, you know, you could say with Larry, oh, first time playoffs, you know, guys, you know, the next time he gets back there, it'll be different, except he may never get back there because LeBron's going to leave. And so none of these guys will ever see the playoffs ever again. Um, I, I want to ask you, though, before about Boston, before we get off of this, would you trade Kyrie this offseason if you had the if you had the opening to do it? I think you have to think about it. I would do it because. I think you absolutely Kyrie anti Kyrie bias aside. Yeah, and both of us have never been particularly Kyrie guys. You have to, right? If if you could get either even picks and some some role guys and future stuff and whatever or, you know, throw them in the Kyrie in the uh, Kawhi Leonard kind of thing, like maybe engineer something like that because you come back next year the one downside if you're Boston is like guys like Jalen Brown and Tatum and you're gonna put them on the bench now, right? I mean, this we, is where you know, I, you've got Gordon Hayward okay, coming back. I was gonna say I feel if like it's Hayward, not- you can you can plug in Hayward a little bit better in terms of a egalitarianism, sure. than you can Kyrie. You probably can't, but I would say this: one or the other, they should trade. And you know, both are hurt, which to some degree you know kills their trade value. Hayward, if you believe in him. Recovering isn't a longer deal, so that that helps it. You want to have to, you know, you might be able to get a little bit more if people know that they have Gordon Hayward long term, right? But I kind of feel like one or the other, you have to move because it, it's going to be difficult enough to transition one of them into what you're doing, much less two. And this is really, I mean, this is the it's, I mean, because like guys, which guy do you which guy do you believe is the best suited to? Be, be the one who gives up him, gives up himself in the name of, look, we got too many good players. 
Because, you know, at some point too, you're gonna have to pay you're gonna have to start paying Tatum, you're gonna have to pay Jalen Brown, you're gonna have to pay Rozier, um, and all these things. And they've got like seventy three other picks that they're bringing in too. You're you're bringing back two all stars. If it works, if you can get everybody on the same page, good God, this is a this team could rival, actually could rival Golden State. Oh, there's no question it could. Um, but it, you know, you are also definitely risking a too many chefs kind of thing here. I mean, just, if you could move, Kyrie, I would do it in a heartbeat if I could, if I could. I mean, to some degree, to some degree, it's a question of where do you peg guys playing, or you know, in the era of positionless basketball, like could could Gordon Hayward be your quasi point guard like could you have him play point forward because you know that might simplify some questions in it terms could be. of what still you Rozier. Do. right well sure your point guard point guard. okay i mean is but then like who's playing like who's playing the two who's playing the three is you know if hayward is your small ball four alongside horford like you know you know what i'm saying like who's playing where right because it still becomes even if even if hayward or even kyrie is really dead set on being selfless there's still a matter of where do you play, guys, and I don't care how selfless guys want to be. If they're really seeing their playing time reduced, they're not going to be happy. Like you know, remember when the when the Lakers brought in Nash and Dwight, and then you know uh, Antoine Jameson and all those dudes. Everyone started training camp talking about how excited they were to sacrifice. Right. And I remember talking with Antoine Jameson, and to his credit, when he said this, he was including himself. But I asked him, you know. Has it been more difficult in practice to sacrifice opportunity in theory? And he said, without question. Yeah, you know, he said hard. He said, with me, too. And you, I mean, you can kind of – you sort of lay it out in your head. Like, if Kyrie was gone – I mean, obviously, he's going to be replaced by someone. So, I mean, if it's Kawhi, then I don't I – mean, I don't even, again, you have some of the same problems. But I was going to say, because even if you bring in Kawhi, like, it's like who's where playing put, where? It's like – but you, really what you're setting up is <sighs> – Tatum learns, especially Tatum grows as a defender. Again, good luck trying to score because Horford, Horford, your lineup essentially becomes at that point Horford, Brown, or Horford, Tatum, Kawhi, Jalen Brown. Still, I got to get Gordon Hayward back in the lineup. That's what I'm saying. Is like, but they're all. If you're sliding guys up, you're sliding guys down. It's still going to be difficult. Right, Rozier. um, um, Then you're like Brown is a two three. Hayward can be a 2-3. Uh, Tatum can be a 3-4, four, 4-5. Four, I mean, it's really super small. I mean, I, it's a good problem to have, and Danny Ainge is obviously smart enough to figure this out. They've got too many assets. Yeah. They've got too many good players um, that are good too early, and they have too many other assets that they still have that are they're going to keep adding to this process. They have too much stuff. Yeah. This is amazing. It is amazing. Um, I think, by the way, Mike Trudell will finally concede that the rebuild in Boston is going well. <laughs> it is going better than the Lakers. Still claims. Trudell still claims that, anyway, that the Lakers. And we both think the Lakers are in a really they're, good place. They're in great, great shape. <laughs> but, I mean, this is a hill should, Trudell has been dying let's on. Text him and actually, let's, let's text him to find out. I'll text him right now. Um, anyway. But, yeah, it's going to be really. Vamp a little bit. I kind of feel like they. I mean, have to could feel a little prisoner of the moment because, you know, the if the worst thing you're dealing with is adding Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward to your roster, these are the firstiest world of first world problems God. you're ever going to have. But at the same time, like, you are talking about something that, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, this team looks like they're going to get to the finals like five years ahead of schedule. There is a certain if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, that you at least have to consider. Yeah. Uh, hey, Andy and I are recording a podcast. We want to know if you still think the Lakers rebuild is ahead of Boston's. <laughs> of Boston's. And yes, this will be included on the podcast. <laughs> we are talking about you. Yes. Your answer <laughs> will be repeated. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, I mean, there's also, though, there's, this off season. Everybody is predicting is going to be bonkers, yeah. Because they're going to be a well, lot. In, in part because of things like this. Like yeah. it's not just the teams that need to tear it down or that ran into a wall. It's like Boston might have too many guys. Yeah, it's everything. But then in the meantime, what do you do if you're the Wizards? What do you do if you're the Raptors, the, mm-hmm. the Blazers? You know, the Spurs. Whether they're forced into making moves, you know, th- there's a lot 
that could the Lakers could be a team that makes a lot of well, moves. Well, the Lakers are in the position to be able to be part of as as we've heard people say, and you know, uh, Palenka say a lot. They can be in the middle of everything because they have both assets, young guys that, that people want, and cap space. So you, they could simultaneously sign big free agents, make trades, and do the Jeremy Lin deal again, where they absorb somebody's contract to be you know part of a three way deal, so that. Damian Lillard can be traded from Portland to, you know, Atlanta. Uh, really quick, with, without getting bogged down in into the weeds of the logistics of cap space and you know what you'd have to move, blah blah blah. Just in terms of who should do it, who needs to do it, which team do you think needs to blow it up the most in terms of teams that get talked about? Um, Again, forget. If, for, no, I understand what you mean. I, I think Washington clearly is. It's hard to say. I mean, Washington. Is not good enough. That, that combination's been together long enough that you can look at it and say it's just not working. The, the John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter thing. Um, really, you're talking John Wall and Bradley Beal. Um, it's clearly that Portland's not going to be good enough. Something's got to change there. Um, interesting. You know, it's really three teams that all have basically the same problem. They're all they, too much backcourt, not enough wing. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, where you're talking about Toronto. Washington or Portland, they've all run into the same problem. Now, maybe it's because they just don't have good, their backcourts just aren't quite good enough. But it seems like they don't have enough of the other stuff to make it balance. All three of them are basically in the same spot. Yeah, I agree with you that all three should be heavily considering, and I'm sure we'll try to do it. To me, it's it's a tie between Washington and Toronto. And what I think is interesting about it is it's sort of for opposite sides of the coin, beyond the fact just they just aren't good enough. They need a push. With the Wizards, it's because there's so much tension on that team. Like, I don't know if you saw oh. John Wall's exit interview comments where he was talking about roster composition and, you know, finding the right guys in the locker room. It, it reminded me a lot of Kobe before he went on the radio tour in the off, uh, 2007 offseason mm-hmm. where, you know, Kobe singled out, I like Lamar Odom. I like Luke Walton. You know, without saying it, I'm sure he liked Roney. And, not much else. Yep. And he made it clear there were some changes that needed to be there. Yep. And then Toronto, but in the sense that I wonder if there's too little tension. Like, there's times where I wonder if Ky- if uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, who are, by all accounts, exceptionally close, and they are really good friends and really supportive of each other, I wonder if they share too much psychology and too many bad experiences you know, beyond whatever limitations may come with right, them. Right, but all of us, but what happens if LeBron, the answer to the Toronto question is somewhat dependent on, is LeBron in Houston next oh, year? Oh my God. If you see a Laker, because okay, if, if you take LeBron out of the Eastern Conference, no, no doubt. I would run that group back. No doubt. I mean, look, well, though, except that you're going to have to run them against Boston, you're going to have to run them against Philadelphia. But the chances of, the chances of being able to make a trade that makes you better than those teams, I think is small. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, here, okay, here's what must drive. They by were the way. just the number one seed. Washington, kind of sucked this year and granted wall was hurt and whatever but th- that just they've been running in circles. they've been running in circles and it, portland exceeded expectations this year but clearly is as good as they're going to get you know how much it must bother the raptors to know if they thought about it in these terms that had lebron been born in a different city that didn't in some way emotionally attach him to the cleveland cavaliers at the very least they would have been in the finals by now like so much it's of what they, possible. so much of what they've had to do, because certainly the second if LeBron look, the was sec- from Sacramento. No, because I'll tell you this: nobody goes to Cleveland a second time around unless they were born near there. I mean, like that's true. I mean, the first time LeBron would have been drafted by the Cavaliers, no matter what, because he was the obvious number one choice. LeBron was not, you know, he was not teaming up with Lee Jenkins to explain why he was going back to Cleveland unless he had been born in Akron. That doesn't happen. No, so people I mean, that don't, mu- people don't do like that. you know. We talk all the time about you know for different things, the accident of birth, like the accident of birth with LeBron may crush the Raptors. It's it's just it yeah, circumstances is a, is a weird thing, man. What happens if Kobe if Kobe doesn't get if 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 the Nets and that was uh uh was that Calipari? No, yes. it was, uh, yeah, it says. Is resistant to Jerry West's Jedi mind tricks. And tell him and all those guys. Yeah, and, all the, and, and, and wait a minute. If, if they want this, you know what? I'm going to draft. Him. All right, you know what? That's go what back, I would do. Go back to If Italy, I ever Kobe. heard Jerry West wanted a player, 
And even if I didn't want, even if I thought that guy was terrible, I would just take that. It's like making a trade with Danny Ainge now. Right. No thanks. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Absolutely we will, not. Uh, we want to give you, uh, we want Gershon Yabusili, uh, you know, or whatever. We'll give you, you know, call up, you call up Rob Palink and you say, I will, we'll give you, uh, Horford and Jalen Brown for Tyler Ennis. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not doing it. He sees something in nope, that I not know. doing it. Um, and so I, I just, I, I think any of those teams are, but I, I, if I'm Toronto and LeBron leaves the, the conference, I at least run it back one more time. Yeah. Um, what do you do with Boogie? Because I, I'm terrible at this game. The, I did it on Spectrum the other night. I was there last week and we played the over under contract game, four years, this guy, whatever, like figure out where Randall's going, Boogie and all this other stuff. I don't think there's a guy, I'm terrible at the, the number thing, but I, I don't think there's a person in this free agent class, we've almost forgotten about Boogie. Yeah. Um, it's a shame because before he got hurt, he was having a career. He was having year. a career, and the assumption was obviously he would go back to New Orleans because they, they couldn't let him go. Even if they struggled, they'd still have to keep him. But now with the injury and then the fact that they did so well in the playoffs in terms of you know winning around and Anthony Davis looked great and Drew Holiday looked great, I there's at least some talk that he they they're not going to just automatically give him the max. Might want to give him two or three years at something less than that. Boogie has since unfollowed the Pelicans and started following Paul George and Julius Randle. His on explanation, by the way, uh, he was I'm, asked. I don't get it. He said because I'm grown. What does that mean? I'm a grown man. I don't need to be following this team. Right, but man. he's following. Well, then why follow those other guys? He's aged since. <laughs> <laughs> he's grown up a lot in the last couple months. I didn't understand. It. If, let's let's break this in two things. So let's first thing is if you're boogie, wouldn't you in all uh, in in any summer of all summers pick this one to not do boogie things? Like I wouldn't. I would be off of this social be, media. This could be I some be, misconceived hardball on Team Cousins' part. Just. Like looking to put the screws to the Pelicans? Sure. Like, uh, I'll leverage the Lakers. Not the right time. I just don't think this I mean, makes, look, I, and I like Boogie. But I, I mean, I, but I'll be honest. If this is the, if this is the worst thing Boogie does during the offseason, I mean. No, but it's just it's sort these, of baked into the cake if you're going to sure, sign him. But it's just these, if you're, if you're one of these teams that wants to make the invest, cause he is a really good player. I mean, he's, he's a top, top Certainly a top 10 talent in the league. Might even be a top five talent. But he, he scares teams. And so if the fact that he just wouldn't be completely sort of silent on all of these things, it's got to be if you're a team that's on the fence of like, maybe we should make a play for him. Maybe we can make a trade. Maybe we can do a signing to whatever it might be. I, it would, it would give me more pause than normal that I might have anyway. Yeah, I mean, they, um, I just think it's strange. As far as the question with the Pelicans, what do they do? In a lot of ways, it was, it comes down to what does Anthony Davis want them to do? You know, I mean, they, they really need to talk with Anthony Davis and be like, look, you know, we're going to sit in this room and we assure you nothing will get leaked. You will, nothing is going to come out, you know, mm. and, be, and because we know how important this is that nothing gets leaked. What do you want? Like, you know, what what are you comfortable with? Do you, you know, what did you see with you and Boogie when you were teamed up? You know, this is our spreadsheet, and this is the possibilities we have with Boogie, without Boogie. And in both cases, they're pretty limited. I mean, whether they oh, re-sign yeah. him or don't. It's not, if you don't re-sign Boogie, it's not like you can it's, go out and get 10 other more, guys. I mean, and I guess this may work against the Pelicans in the sense that it's more about what happens if if Anthony Davis eventually leaves and they're stuck with Boogie because they're not going to have much flexibility either way. But, you know, just say to him, what do you want? Like, you know, on, on how important is it for us to bring him back? But what if he says it's really important? But Then you, you know, do it. You do it. But like, you do it. Because the Pelicans will never have an opportunity to have a player like Anthony Davis. You what teams? It. What teams are finding? And I think this is where... And they're never going to get free agents anyway, oh God, so no. their cap space is irrelevant. If, if Anthony no, Davis says... No, it's not cap says, space. The, prob- the problem is, and this is where sort of tied to the tied to the Lakers. Once you have to start making choices about max, you know, legit max guys in the cap league. I mean, like under normal circumstances, if you felt like Kawhi's probably okay, you know, it'll probably be all right. 
you wouldn't blink before offering him the two hundred nineteen million dollars for five years. I think sure, it, whatever it is. It, now it, it almost doesn't matter who it is. You have to be so careful with these contracts because even if LeBron is worth five times what he, you can, he can actually get paid, even if Kawhi is worth five times, whatever it is, if you end up in the wrong spot. If you sign Boogie to a max deal and it doesn't go and it doesn't go right, particularly somebody like Boogie, you're done. You, there's no getting you 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 know the 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 Clippers got out of Blake Griffin, but I generally believe that is going to be overwhelmingly the exception to the rule. That, that may be, and but so I mean, I, but and so like this is where the you know Lakers fans when you start putting in the money and all that kind of stuff, it's like that's where they suddenly get buyer's remorse. Imagine getting that with with DeMarcus Cousins. I, I don't think most Lakers fans would want the Lakers to go anywhere close to right, all but, in but on you, DeMarcus. Right, but you just hit on, though, why I said ultimately if Anthony Davis says do it, you do it. The difference between the Lakers and the Pelicans is these are actual choices, choices for the right. Lakers. Pelicans don't have Pelicans don't have a choice. No, you're right. I mean, I, well, what do you think he gets? I mean, ultimately... Because I mean, if he's trying to leverage two-year deal with a team option for the third, probably fifteen mil ish a year. Oh, that little! You think he'll be down that? He's, I don't. He, it's going to be a lot of bidding against nobody. I don't know how many teams. I because mean, he's trying to leverage. I mean, let's let's say he's trying I mean, there to leverage aren't, the Lakers. There, are, there aren't that, the Lakers aren't really interested in Demarcus Cousins, are they? I would think they're not. I don't think he's. He doesn't strike me as a. He doesn't play the way they want to play. Uh, he culturally, he doesn't, not, doesn't fit, fit what into they what, want to do. what Walton likes. Um, you know, he he can be an effective defender, but he can also be a really indifferent defender. So he doesn't more fit in, the latter than the right. former. I I doubt I doubt that unless it's a really short front loaded deal, one year, thirty million. So I doubt I doubt that they would go for Boogie the same way they would have maybe six months ago. I think six months ago they might have been more interested when maybe. he was healthy. Maybe he's a terrible fit in LA. Right, he's not, he's not a great fit. Um, but but as far as looking around the rest of the league, like how many teams that have cap space, you know, need front court players. You know, like Indiana, for example, they're they're a team that's rumored to be interested in Julius Randle, and and you can picture Randle and Miles Turner actually be, fitting together really yeah, well. Be a good one, but you know, on paper ish. You could fit Cousins and Miles Turner together because Turner, they both have outside right. shooting. Right, inside, outside. But both it's can, not, both, a, you know, but it's not as good. Marcus can handle the ball. D- defensively, that's going to be kind of a problem in the way I think it won't be as much for Randall and Turner. Like, you know, Chicago maybe, they, you know, they don't really have much up front. Like, you start, you know, could Markinen and Cousins play together? You start running out of places to do this and the Pelicans probably will still be able to pay him the most. So that that's my my theory. My I mean Dallas. I, I suppose Dallas is always in the mix. I I just wonder if if going forward until we Rick get a, Carlisle until we get probably thinks he could keep a guy like Demarcus probably. focused. I mean, if you're Dallas, you probably take that chance because they don't have the 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 infrastructure and the assets and stuff. And it, but I the way the things have played out so differently in terms of one the, the one year where the cap spiked and we all thought everybody was going to get paid forever. Teams now are going to be so much more careful about somebody, you know, unless you are slam dunk, basically, if you're Kevin Durant, okay, fine. You, what do you want and for how long? LeBron James, what do you want for how long? Everybody else, I mean, there's going to be at least some effort to try to squeeze down, squeeze down the market. And I, I I am incredibly curious as to how this summer plays out in terms of what guys get paid, who moves where, and all this stuff. Because I just don't think the money, this notion of free agent max guy will will open up space and will sign this max guy, that guy. I don't think teams want to get into the business of giving twenty five to thirty, you know, twenty five percent of your cap or whatever it is to players unless they. 100% know that that guy is going to lead them somewhere. Blake Griffin, while they got out of that deal, becomes almost a cautionary tale here for every team looking to acquire one because the Pistons are screwed. Well, I mean, I, I'm always of the belief that if a guy is a decent player, you'll be able to move him even with the contract. But here's what I would say speaks to the position Cousins in, and then we can, we can move on from there. You know, he was without question before the, the Achilles one of the big name free agents that people were paying attention to mm-hmm. you know, or somebody that could end up moving. And you look at this summer 
And, you know, inevitably, you know, we, we listed teams earlier like the, the Pacers, the Bulls, whoever that, you know, could be in a position to bring in Boogie. There are going to be other teams that end up clearing space because they want to try to get LeBron, try to get Paul George, Chris Paul, if he actually would leave Houston. Nobody you know, talks guy, about him either. Right. A guy like CJ McCollum, if he could end up getting moved, uh, Bradley Beal, if he could be getting moved, DeRozan, like, there are teams that will clear some degree or even a lot of cap space. In order to maybe get one of those guys if they're on the move. It is, but nope. it is hard to clear cap space it, it, when hard. nobody has it. It's fine. That's, that's it, part it's of hard, but I'm saying they would try. Sure. Nobody is going to clear cap space to get to Marcus Cousins. Not right now. That's my uh, and that's it, a good And point. it speaks to six months ago, even with all of his damage, I mean, even with all his baggage, if you thought you could get DeMarcus Cousins, you might try to clear some cap space. Nobody's going to do it now. Depending on who you are. If yep. you're if you're a New Orleans-ish yep. team, I don't know if the Lakers would have done it. Sure, but, but depending on who you are. Teams without options. Nobody is going to do it now. Um, last thing, the uh, Raptors fired Dwayne Casey after the LeBron series. And I, I would have – it's totally unfair. He, by all rights, did a great job this year getting that team to change how it played – and building out this this bench that was incredibly good, got him a number one seed, all these other things. And in the end, I probably would have fired him too. Just because you you, you got to do something, you can't necessarily get rid of the players, something needs to change. It doesn't help. I'd have done it anyway. It's stupid. He was one of the three finalists for the Coach of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. Um, the NBA announced this yesterday. And the Raptors tweeted out, congrats, coach, off of their official Twitter feed. Now, they weren't trolling. They were trying to be nice. Yeah, they're Canadian. Is this okay? It's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's really awkward. It's It's super awkward. I think what they should have done was just privately emailed or text him. Yeah. Called and even said, Masai, Masai texts him. Right. I mean, because no, no, nobody, who owns that team, but nobody would have called out the Raptors for not publicly congratulating him because nobody ever publicly congratulates somebody they just fired. Right. Like, you know, the, whenever a coach gets fired, if they get hired in that same offseason, the previous team never sends out a congratulations. Right. Yeah. So nobody would have been looking for the Raptors to do this in the first place. I think their heart was in the right place. But it man, just, that was awful. Well, especially too. If you're going to send it out, send it out. Congrats to Dwayne Casey. Not to coach. Coach, right. He ain't your coach He's anymore. right. He's just a guy. do this, congrats, congratulations Congra- to Dwayne. Or at the very least, Coach Casey. Because cr- congrats, coach, makes him sound like he's still your guy. No, Dwayne Casey, because for the time being. Congratulations, Mr. Casey. Yeah, for the time being, he's not a coach. No. Well, he's, yeah. I'm just saying, he he's is an not an employed one. coach right now. Congratulations to Dwayne Casey. I would have kept that one to myself. I wouldn't have sent it in the first place. Um, all right. Again, so send a nice email, send a fruit basket. We'll see how, how this goes going forward in the playoffs. And, uh, it look, it looks at this point like a Warriors Celtics final we'll seems see. to be the most likely combination. Still holding out hope for the Pelicans. Um, they, they are dark horses, <laughs> I think. Um, but we'll start getting a little more clarity on the draft and the next week or two. And uh, I think a few more things will start crystallizing with free agency. And we're not that far away from July 1. It's kind of crazy. Um, and it's going to be nutty this off season, and we will be here for some of it. <laughs> I don't want to commit to all of it, but some of it. Uh, see everybody next time.